Good evening. It is 5 p.m. and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 11.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Lauren Tucker, and Jesse Bell. I'm Christina Laurie and here are your local news headlines. Yesterday, I sat down with Ross Sutherland, co-chair of the Kingston and Area Health Coalition, to discuss recent local and provincial developments in healthcare. The Kingston Healthcare Coalition is an affiliate of the Ontario Healthcare Coalition and has been heavily active in the campaign to stop plans for healthcare privatization in Ontario. The Ontario Health Coalition and the Kingston and Area Health Coalition have many opportunities for folks to learn and participate in the coming weeks, including a briefing and Q&A event. Here's what Sutherland had to say about the upcoming Zoom event, Making a Killing. We have a, a, an information session tomorrow night. Um, calling killing killing for profit, uh, and it's it just it's just an information session on the problems with for profit healthcare, and anybody can, uh, you know, join. It's a Zoom call province wide, uh, and there'll be lots of facts, and people will have a chance to ask questions, and I think it'll be very. I'm not being immodest by saying we have some of the best experts on this issue uh, in the country uh, who are affiliated or supportive of the Ontario Coalition. Sutherland also discussed the currently active information pickets happening throughout this week, leading up to the community-led referendum on healthcare privatization at the end of May. So we're going to be doing these um, corner pickets throughout the month. We're going to be doing leafleting into people's houses, and people can help with any of this. We're going to be putting lawn signs up, so if you've got a house and you want a lawn sign, uh, you can contact us. Um, uh, we're going to be having a, a, a couple of ads in the Kingston this week and some of the electronic billboards, as much as we can afford, we will we will do, um, all leading up to uh, a voting. And we'll probably have about two dozen voting stations in Kingston. We're, we're looking for up to 1,000 uh, uh, in Ontario. Once again, that was Ross Sutherland on the most immediately approaching Health Coalition events. Be sure to sign up for and attend the Making a Killing Q&A and Info session hosted by the Ontario Health Coalition this evening at 7 p.m. The links required to register for and attend the Zoom meeting, as well as links to live stream the event via Facebook and Twitter, are available on Kingston Health Coalition Facebook page. For the full interview with Ross Sutherland, where he gets into an upcoming community-led referendum on healthcare privatization at the end of May, the Health Coalition's recent discussion with MPP Ted Shu, the implications of movements towards for-profit healthcare in Ontario, and more, you can tune in to CFRC 101.9 FM at 5 p.m. next Tuesday, May 9th. In news from the City of Kingston, the City of Kingston is in the process of acquiring 206 Concession Street, which will provide a permanent home for stabilization residential housing spaces. The stabilization housing program will continue to be operated by Addiction and Mental Health Services, KFLA AMHS, as recommended by a staff report presented at the March 21st City Council meeting. Currently, stabilization residential housing spaces are temporarily offered in the west end of the city. The program offered by AMHS has proven to be effective in supporting and ensuring program participants transition into permanent housing. Funding is being provided by the Federal Rapid Housing Initiative and the city to support the acquisition and conversion of the space to allow the operation of this programming. This location was identified as it meets the criteria of the operation and the building layout has retrofitting opportunity to meet the needs for this use. It is anticipated that renovations will start shortly in 2023 and the stabilization slash transitional beds will be operational at the end of 2024, which is a deadline established through the Rapid Housing Initiative. The city is working on securing ongoing operations of the 218 Concession Street drop-in shelter until the end of 2024. The city will work with partners to look at options to relocate the drop-in shelter services to another area over the next year to prevent an oversaturation of services in one area, allowing more equal access.
Also in City News, Livable City Design Awards return after the pandemic hiatus. From now until June 15th, nominate an innovative building or landscape project that has positively contributed to Kingston's image for a Livable City Design Award. These awards celebrate projects which demonstrate excellence in urban design and architecture and raise the bar for the community of Kingston. Whether it be a new complex or a large building, a private residence, a heritage restoration, or a bioswale planted with local species. This is the first occurrence of the Livable City Design Award since 2017. The awards typically occur every three years. However, due to COVID-19, the 2020 edition was canceled. For 2023, a six-year eligibility period is being included to accommodate projects that have taken place in the interim. Winning projects will be recognized with an Award of Excellence, Award of Merit, or the People's Choice Award. Anyone can nominate a project that has been completed between January 1, 2017 and December 31, 2022. Complete eligibility criteria is available on the city's website. Nominations must be received before 4 p.m. on Thursday, June 15th, and all entries must meet the criteria and will be judged over the summer by an external panel. There will also be public voting in the fall to select a People's Choice Award winner. All awards will be presented at a ceremony later in the year. The Kingston Frontenac Public Library has announced some more upcoming program for the month of May. To start off, Telling Your Story Showcase, an evening of memoirs and family histories. Experience the power of storytelling as senior writers share their compelling memoirs and family histories at the Telling Your Story Showcase. This unique event will feature readings from participants of the six-week memoir writing workshop led by acclaimed author Jean Ray Baxter earlier this year in Sydenham. Having honed their stories during that process, writers will now share excerpts from the work they created during the workshops. This event will take place at the Sydenham branch on Tuesday, May 9th at 6.30 p.m. Admission is free on a first-come, first-served basis. No registration is required. That is all for your headlines this week, and next up, I'm passing it over to our art desk with Lauren Tucker. Coming up this week in Arts at Queens and Kingston, the interactive traveling art exhibition Sounding Board, a community conversation, has returned to display at the Kingston School of Art after numerous other local displays. We chatted on Listening Queerly on Tuesday afternoon with lead artist Heather Poachman. Here's what they had to say about the project's evolution and upcoming closing exhibition. Absolutely. So Sounding Board is sort of a, uh, it's been a labor of love over the, the year of 2022. And for the past six months, it's been traveling all around Kingston. Uh, it is an interactive traveling art exhibition. It's been to the Kingston School of Art, Taiwanon Creativity Bar in the West End, Keys Newcomer Services, Tech Center, and now it's actually back at the Kingston School of Art. Uh, it features the work of nine artists from Kingston, including myself, who are musicians, poets, photographers, storytellers, uh, and or visual artists. Um, and so the full title of Sounding Board is actually Sounding Board, a Community Conversation. And the reason I add the community conversation is that as Sounding Board travels, it's meant to gather contributions from the community um, to add to the conversation. So the artist and I sort of created uh, an opening to the conversation uh, as to the many, many ways that we can be a part of the Kingston community. Uh, and people were responding to the artwork itself, adding their own contributions directly to Sounding Board. And so now with Sounding Board back at the Kingston School of Art, uh, not only is the original artwork on display, all of the contributions that it's gathered over these past six months are also on display alongside the original mural. So you can see how the conversation has evolved. 
The full interview is available on our program archives on this past episode of Listening Queerly. Sounding Board will be on display at the Kingston School of Art from now until May 27th, and all are welcome to attend the closing exhibition on the evening of the 27th as well. More details on that to come on the Arts Desk this month. The Juvenus Festival, Kingston's Youth Arts Festival, is now underway until the 7th of May, showcasing talented people ages 13 to 30, with productions including The Magic Treehouse Pirates Past Noon, The Storefront Art Gallery, Viva Voce Storytelling, A Youth Film Night, A Battle of the Bands event, and Free Arts Workshops for Youth 30 and Under. Learn more about the event lineup and ticket information at juvenusfestival.ca. The Systemic Kids year-end concert takes place at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts on May 4th, starting at 4.30 p.m. Systemic Kingston provides underserved children with music training and access to musical equipment and space and is supported by the Queen's University Faculty of Education, the Isabel, and Joe's Mill. And on May 5th, Canadian duo Chante La Pomme will be playing a 5 p.m. set at the Mac Gallery Cocktail Hour in Gedanaque. Stop by for their dynamic interpretations of traditional and neo-trad dance music and songs prior to their homegrown live gig the very next day. The Kingston Lapidary and Mineral Club is hosting a Gems, Rocks, and Jewelry show and sale at the Tet Center from May 5th through 7th, featuring handcrafted jewelry, rocks, minerals, home decor, and gift items. Learn more about the event at mineralclub.ca. Also running from May 5th to 7th, Kingston will be joining hundreds of cities across the world in Jane's Walk Festival to give free walking tours all weekend in celebration of urbanist, activist, and writer Jane Jacobs. These volunteer-led tours are appropriate for all ages, making them the perfect opportunity to enjoy Kingston's community and history. For tour schedules, meeting places, and more information on Jane's Walk Kingston, visit janeswalkkingston.wordpress.com. And Homegrown Live returns to downtown Kingston on May 6th, featuring over 100 performances by local musicians at local venues in support of Joe's Mill. Wristbands to access music at any venue are $10, and we sat down with Homegrown organizer Chris Morris to chat about the festival, now in its 15th year. Take a listen. So we are here with Chris Morris, one of the organizers of Homegrown Live that is hitting Kingston this weekend. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Thank you for having me. And let's just hop right into that. Of course, very excited to have you here. So Homegrown Live is now in its 15th year. So first of all, congratulations. Um, But if someone's new to town, they've never been, they're wondering what this festival is all about. What is the rundown on Homegrown that you would give them? Sure, yeah, it's uh, it's just a big celebration of our Kingston music scene. Uh, We've got over 110 acts playing this year in 13 downtown venues. Uh, so it's a big to do. We kind of cram it all into one day and uh, the proceeds go to Joe's Mill, the Joe Chitlin Memorial Musical Instrument Lending Library. That sounds awesome. Yeah, you mentioned the 113 performances scheduled, as I understand, in 13 different venues. That was like one of the first things that really jumped out to me as I was looking into the festival. I thought it was so cool that all of these different venues and artists really have something for everybody. Can you talk a bit about the diversity of local artists that you had apply and that are now performing at the festival? Yeah, for sure. So we had uh, like 135 applications, I think. So. Taking almost all of them, and you know, like the ones that didn't get selected, like it's not like they were 
bad <laughs> or anything. It, it was, was just logistics was, and things it, like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we, we just try and, and do as much as we can with, with what we have available. So, you know, our philosophy is that if we have a willing venue and a willing venue coordinator, those are our, our volunteers that look after each individual venue, then, then we go ahead uh, with putting something in there. And each venue is sort of based around a genre or a theme. So, um, you know, if we have somebody who wants to do a jazz uh, show or a blues show or whatever, then, then we go for it. And as long as we get enough applications to put that show on, then, you know, like we, we, we try our best to, to uh, make sure that, um, the genres that are less represented have a, a shot here. I mean, there's obviously a very strong folk scene and uh, and a rock scene, but you know, there's there hasn't been a country bar in Kingston until two weeks ago. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Yeah, I just uh, walked past it the other day. That's so exciting. Exactly. So uh, you know, there's not a lot of bars that will put on hip hop. So um, you know, we we we've got a dedicated space for that. Uh, there's a dedicated space for like experimental kind of electronic music so um we've we've, we've got a space for that too so it, it just you know like i said is as long as we have all, all the pieces together to do it then we'll do it there's no limitation yeah i think that's so awesome the diversity and sort of the expansiveness of the local music scene really getting to be put on display for this community event and speaking of those venue coordinators folks making it happen behind the scenes is homegrown live the type of festival that would be looking for volunteers potentially as the years go on yeah for sure so we have our uh so homegrown live is put on by a board of uh of a nonprofit called homegrown live productions so i'm on the board along with four others and then so we you know we we're concerned with, with basically the festival in a year-round sense but we don't do much of it for most of the year obviously but um and then we have 13 venue coordinators and they're in charge of each venue and then we have our door volunteers which are you know are, are taking the risk or sorry checking the wristbands and selling the wristbands and that kind of thing so you know between, uh, between all those folks um and the other organizer works out to about 50 volunteers plus the uh the three or four hundred five hundred volunteer musicians that we have so uh we are always in need of more people because uh we try to make it as big as possible every year and that means more volunteers <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds awesome. That's already a very remarkable number of people, but I know that I'm sure some folks listening might be interested in getting involved, especially just as far as working the doors and that sort of thing goes. I think it's so cool that those all access uh, wristbands are offered for folks to really experience um, the expanse of, of what's going on. But kind of speaking to the sort of charitable volunteer side of this event, all the proceeds of Homegrown live as you said are going towards joe's mill the music lending library what can you say about the impact that the festival has had for them at joe's mill and about the partnership between your two organizations so homegrown live started as a fundraiser for joe's mill uh, it, it's you know a lot of folks will do this sort of festival and then pick the charity afterwards but no the idea was joe's mill needs money and then it was let's uh, let's do a 
big citywide festival basically <laughs> so uh, so we've been uh, intertwined with them from from the beginning um you know i think we all have uh ties to joe's mill and some of us actually to to joe himself so you know it's um it's it, it, we see people every year who are playing the festival with joe's mill instruments or the very least they get started on a joe's mill instrument so you know it's to be a musician in a town like this and to have access to that kind of a resource is it's invaluable really so and you know I, as far as we know joe's mill is you know the first or one of the first dedicated libraries to musical instruments in the world so i think that's a credit to the kingston music scene and but it's it's a it's a very uh, uh symbiotic relationship you know the the mill would thrive in a, in, in in a lot of other places but you know the musicians need those those resources here so it's um it, it, we we don't have like we're, we aren't under any obligation to raise money for joe's mill it's not like in our constitution or anything like that so every year we just say are we going to do this for joe's mill and before the sentence is over we all say yes <laughs> absolutely i totally get that it's a fantastic cause it's a fantastic program that they have going on there and there's definitely like you were talking about the symbiosis it just makes perfect sense with um pairing the kingston music scene with kind of the future of it keeping it going for folks that maybe wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity so congratulations to you guys for continuing to you know, turn this out year after year to uh, kind of end on a fun looking forward to the weekend note what can folks expect this weekend why should they come out basically why uh, why homegrown we keep it pretty affordable it's ten dollar all access wristband so you know that's a it feels like a pretty safe gamble <laughs> in terms of you know if you don't know anybody on the list um you know then you can try somewhere for 10 bucks and if it's not your thing then you can head in most cases right across the street or you know, a block away to see something else so um uh, you know there are musicians that you know play 200 shows a year that play homegrown and there are musicians musicians that play one show a year i was talking to a guy last night who it's his band's second ever show oh that's fantastic <laughs> and i and I've seen bands that have been playing with us for, you know, five, 10, 15 years. They, they played their first show at Homegrown and we see them grow and, and uh, improve and, and become more professional and that kind of stuff. So um, they're, they're, it's, it's a bit of a cliche to say there's something for everybody, but I really think there is, you know, and, and you don't have to go very far to, to try something new. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's kind of like, you know, local music Christmas. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Absolutely. All happening in one day. Like there, there's so many musicians playing. It's, it's, it's just a really fun, happy, laid back kind of festival. So I think, uh, you know, for 10 bucks and the worst case scenario, you spend 10 bucks and you can't find anything that's, that's, that's really driving in, you know, that, that, that's, that's really exciting. You know, Joe's mill gets, that ten dollars <laughs> absolutely there's it, there's there's a no there's no loss going on here for sure um yes. well thank you so much for stopping by here and all the best this weekend we're looking forward to it and thank you to cfrc you've been big supporters of ours from the very first year so we really appreciate it we're glad to do it thank you so much 
Visit homegrownlive.ca for the full lineup and ticket information. Now let's throw it over to Jesse at the sports desk. The second round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs began on Tuesday night, and there were two games on the schedule. Out west, the Dallas Stars fell to the Seattle Kraken 5-4 in overtime after a goal by the Kraken's Yanni Gord. In the Eastern matchup, the Toronto Maple Leafs, fresh off their first NHL playoff series victory since April of 2004, played host to the Florida Panthers. Both teams came in riding massive waves of momentum, but ultimately it would be Florida who was able to capitalize on that, winning 4-2, thanks to key goals from Game 7 heroes Carter Verhage and Brandon Montour. Kingston Frontenac's alumnus Sam Bennett also scored for the Panthers in their victory. Matthew Nyes and Michael Bunting tallied goals for the Leafs. Both of these series will have their second game on Thursday night. On Wednesday night, the Vegas Golden Knights will host the Edmonton Oilers, and the Carolina Hurricanes will host the New Jersey Devils. In Major League Baseball news, the Toronto Blue Jays extend their losing streak to three games after falling 7-6 to the Boston Red Sox. This three-game slide puts Toronto in third place in the hyper-competitive AL East division. And rounding off our segment will be the CFL Draft, which was held on Tuesday night. In this draft, three Queens Gales would be selected, including offensive lineman Evan Florin by the Saskatchewan Roughriders, offensive lineman Theo Grant by the Montreal Alouettes, and wide receiver Richard Burton by the Toronto Argonauts. We here at CFRC wish these young men nothing but the best in their professional football careers and want to extend our congratulations to all three. This is Jesse Bell signing off from the Sports Report and throwing it back to the studio for more news. Good afternoon, listeners. Today we have a lot of exciting news to share with you. First up, let's talk about the No Mow May movement. Spring is here, and with it comes the No Mow May movement. It's a campaign to help pollinators and ground-nesting birds by encouraging residents to let their lawns grow wild. By leaving the lawnmower in the shed and allowing wildflowers to bloom, we can help pollinators and build a more climate-resilient community. The city of Kingston has officially adopted the No Mow May movement this year. It's a great way to raise awareness about the importance of wildflowers and the habitats they provide for pollinators. And now let's talk about the Empty Boards fundraiser. Hunger is a growing problem in our city, and we can all do our part to help. That's why the Empty Boards fundraiser is such an important event. All funds generated from the event will be used to reduce hunger in Kingston. Every ticket purchased will provide hot and nutritious meals for an estimated 18 people. The event will feature an amazing selection of charcuterie, a silent auction with great items to bid on, and a performance by the Kim Pollard Band. The band is a seasoned soulful R&B show that brings an authentic feel and sound to the stage like no other. The event will be held on May 21st at the Kingston Grand Theatre. And finally, let's talk about Heart Center's community information event and open house. Heart Center is an award-winning, registered not-for-profit, charitable community arts hub that provides artists with disabilities and those facing barriers with opportunities to create, study, and produce works in the arts and collaborate with qualified, trained community artists. If you or someone you care about is transitioning from high school to the community or seeking a meaningful, accessible, and creative program, Heart Center may be the perfect fit. On May 7th from 1 to 3 p.m., Heart Center is hosting Ripples, a community information event and open house. 
Attendees will have the chance to tour the Heart Center, explore the Heart Studio program, enjoy a live presentation, and meet their instructors. They will also screen their short dance film, Water, which reflects on the purpose of fresh water and is facilitated by choreographer Camille Spencer. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll consider participating in these great events happening in our community. Now over to Christina Lowry with the Campus News. Thank you, Chancellor. This is Christina Lowry coming in with your Campus News. As of Monday, May 1st, Queen's Summer courses are now in session. As for upcoming deadlines, May 5th is a big day for students to watch out for. As of May 5th, students unable to register for the summer term by this date must appeal in writing to the Office of the Associate Dean. If the appeal to register late is granted, students must pay tuition fees in full with the exception of OSAP students. Also, May 5th is the last day to add summer term classes, and also the last day to drop summer term classes without financial penalty. This is also the last day to apply to admission to the upper year program at Bader College, formerly the BISC, for the summer term in August. Those are your upcoming deadlines, and that's all for campus updates this week. Have a great start to the semester, and next up is Dinah with the weather. Thanks so much, and now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight, we'll expect a few showers ending late this evening, then cloudy with a 60% chance of showers and a low of 6. On Thursday, cloudy with a 40% chance of showers and a high of 11. Thursday night, cloudy periods with 30% chance of showers and a low plus 5. On Friday, May 5th, we'll see a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 15, and clearing at night with a low plus 5. The outlook for Saturday is sunny with a high of 19, and clear skies that night with a low of 6. And Sunday, we'll see a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 19, and cloudy periods on Sunday night with a low of 7. And now, time for the CFRC traffic report. Several road closures along King Street and Ontario Street are planned from May 1st to May 5th to support development, utility work, and roadway repairs. These closures will maintain local access, however, through traffic will be detoured and there may be localized delays. At King Street from Queen to Barrack, King Street from Princess to Queen, Ontario Street, Earl to Lower Union, Ontario Street, Brock to Clarence, and Queen Street, King to Ontario. In other city road closures, Dunkirk Avenue from Alfred to Fergus is closed until September 1st. Gore Street from Ontario to King is closed starting April 28th through May 19th. Lower Brewer's Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Parks Canada is continuing its efforts to replace the bridge over the winter. Market Street from Ontario to King is closed May 3rd for the investigation and repair of a sinkhole on Ontario Street. University Avenue from Union to Earl is closed until December 4, the removal of debris from demolition and concrete deliveries at the J-Duck. And Wright Crescent, the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace is closed until October for construction staging. And the following streets are closed for the School Streets Initiative from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. weekdays until the end of June. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. And Thomas Street from County to Patrick is closed from 3.30 to 5.30 on Mondays until the end of August for the Play Street Initiative. 
A parking disruption is underway at the Chown Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project. The work will be taking place through all levels of the building and will include efforts such as a routine structural maintenance, renewal of waterproofing materials, and upgrades to the building mechanical and electrical systems. The work is expected to conclude in late December. There is parking availability at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east. Motorists can expect road delays on Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, Jackson Mills to Burbrook, Sandhill Road boundary to 3058 Sandhill, and on Taylor Kid Boulevard from Collins Bay to west of the Collins Creek Bridge, and also a lane closure on May 4th on the Wabin Crossing from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. for crews to fix light fixtures. Travel in both directions will still be maintained with flag persons in place. And the Rideau Trail from Queen Mary to Parkway is closed for crews to replace the sanitary main, install shoring, and build a new gravel pathway. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or a tip to share, be sure to reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.